0: Good afternoon, good evening, everybody, good to see you, sorry about that. Um, Happy Father's Day. Men, um, I just want to say thank you for for being um, men of God. It's important that we be the men that God's called us to be, and I just want to commend you men of this church for doing that so well. Uh, I'm just so proud to know the men of this church. We take our faith serious, You, you love your families well, you love this church family well. And uh, I just want to commend you. It's a joy to serve with you. It's a joy to call you, my brothers, in the Lord. And and happy Father's Day to to each and every one of you. Yeah, what a privilege. Thank you, brother. Um, Next weekend, we start the book of Esther. Very good. And so if you haven't yet, try to read all 10 chapters of Esther between now and next weekend in one sitting. It'll take you, I'm guessing, about an hour. Right? right? And so give, so give the Lord an hour of your time and get through the book of Esther, all 10 chapters. And Pastor Day is going to do an intro of the book and, and cover chapter one. Is that correct? Are you ready, Pastor Day? No. Okay. But you will be. I'm excited about that. And um, for, for those of you who every time I come up here, you say, you know, is that, the, is that clown preaching again? Well, well, now I just fit in a little bit more. So this is, this is for me, really. It's our VBS, and it's an exciting time for our church, and uh, thank you for all of, of you who have contributed to uh, make VBS special every year. So thank you so much. It's good to be with you guys. I, I know you, you you would say the same, Pastor Dave, but it's just humbling to be up here. It's such a privilege that uh, I know neither one of us take lightly, and the fact that you're here here. Um, to spend time spend with time the Lord and spend time, with his time, his time word, with in His Word—it just, means, it just means, a means a lot to me and me. means a lot to the Lord. So I commend you for that as well. Yeah. We're in Philippians. We're, we're, finishing, we're finishing Philippians, Philippians chapter, four. chapter four. We're in verses fifteen through 23. twenty-three. Philippians four, verses fifteen through twenty-three. Turn there. We're going to read that. We're going to do a few. Th- we're going to pray after we read it. We're going to do a few things, and then we're going to read it again. Philippians Philippians 4. You know, know, we had two screens working like an hour ago, and then for some reason, uh, this one's not cooperating. If you want to turn around, there's a screen on that wall, but it might be odd for you. But if you just get tired of looking over there, you can always look back there. Anyway, Philippians Philippians 4. Let's read verses 15 through 23 as we wrap up our time in Philippians, which I've really, really enjoyed. Let's read, church. We read from the the New American American Standard Standard Bible. That's what we study from. If you have one, great. If you need one, there's one one in front of you. you. Take it home. home. Verse 15, as Paul's winding up, he says, You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, in other words, when I first start preaching the gospel, after I left Macedonia, which is a region, and Philippi is in the region of Macedonia, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, But you alone. alone. For even even in Thessalonica, which is is also also a city city in in the province of Macedonia, Macedonia. even in Thessalonica Thessalonica, you you sent sent a gift gift more than than once for my needs. needs. Not that I seek the gift gift itself, 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 but but I seek for for the profit profit which increases increases to your account. account. But I have received received everything everything in full and and have an abundance. I'm amply supplied, supplied. having received received from Epaphroditus Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, aroma, an acceptable acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to the Lord. Lord. And my God will supply supply all your your needs needs according according to his his riches riches in glory glory in Christ Christ Jesus. Jesus. Oh, we know that that verse, but sometimes we don't know the context of that verse. Verse 20, now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus, Paul writes, the brethren who are with me here in Rome, he's imprisoned in Rome, the brethren here greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this letter that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write to this church at Philippi. We've learned so much from it, and we're grateful for it. And Father, as we wind up this time in Philippians, these last nine verses of chapter four, we pray, oh God, that you would have your way with us as you continue to mold us and shape us ever so gently and ever so patiently and ever so graciously. And for that, we say thank you for what you're doing and how you do it. As we surrender our lives to you and as we trust our lives into your hands, we are but the clay and you are the potter who loves us and fashions us according to his good pleasure. And so we give you permission to do that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, man, oh man, is it good to be with you guys. I love doing this. Thank you for being here. If you had a dollar to spend, consider some of these things. A dollar to spend. A dollar spent for lunch lasts about five hours. A dollar spent for gas lasts about five days. A dollar spent for an automobile lasts about five years. A dollar spent for a railroad lasts about five decades, but a dollar spent in God's service, lasts for an eternity. Amen? Here's some other wisdom quotes or sayings on the idea of giving. Giving to the Lord is but transporting our goods to a higher floor. I like that. Sometimes we transport our goods that God blesses us with to a a lower floor. Another saying is this, when I have money, I get rid of it as quickly as possible. Sounds like my wife. Lest it, Sorry, I, didn't, I know I thought that. I didn't know if I said that. <laughs> lest, I find, lest, lest it find a way into my heart. When I have money, I get rid of it as quickly as possible. Lest it find a way into my heart. Here's some other quotes on giving from people you may have heard of. Here's the first quote. Remember that the happiest people are not those getting more, but those giving more. H. Jackson Brown, who's an author, born in 1940, still alive. Winston Churchill said this. He said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Charles Dickens says, no one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. That's pretty powerful. Pablo Picasso, he says, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Gandhi says, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Just great quotes. I love those quotes. Church, turn back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 15 through 23. We're going to read that again. We're going to read those nine verses again. Starting at verse 15, Paul says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me. In the matter of giving and receiving, only you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Interesting. I've received everything in full, I have an abundance, I'm amply supplied. I've received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. And what have you sent? A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to the Lord. And so my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. Now to God, to our God and Father, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet everybody, he says. And then finally in verse 23, the grace of the Lord be with your spirit. Powerful verses. Here's our outline for our nine verses. Giving glory and grace. We're going to look at giving. We're going to look at why we give is to bring glory to the Lord. And then Paul closes with this this, uh, commendation of grace. So our first stanza, giving. Let's look at Philippians 4, 15, 16, and 17. Our first stanza, 15, 16, and 17. He says, at the first preaching, when I first preached, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the giving and receiving. Just you guys did. Even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for the needs that I had. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account when you give. I just love how Paul winds down this letter. In these few short verses, Paul reveals in these three verses, 15, 16, and 17... Paul reveals two activities, if you will, of utmost importance for the church moving forward. He shows us these two activities. I'd call them a priority and a partnership, if you will. A priority and a partnership in these three verses. The priority is the preaching of the gospel. That's how he's winding down this letter. He's commending them. He's saying, hey, I'm going to go preach the gospel That's the first activity. That's the first priority, if you will. That's the priority in these three verses, the preaching of the gospel, as you see in verse 15. And then the second activity is their partnership. The priority is preaching the gospel. And the other activity is their partnership, how they shared with Paul as he did so. You follow? Okay, so those are the two activities. The preaching of the gospel and their partnering financially as he did so. And he says, you shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. So as perhaps all of us know, there are many moving parts to this thing that we call church. Yes? If you've been around uh, any church for any period of time, there's lots of moving parts to this thing that we call the local church. But preaching the gospel in order to make disciples, should that not be at the top of the things that we do and the things that we prioritize? Yes? Go to the book of Mark, to your left. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Go to the book of Mark and go to chapter 1, verses 35 through 38. Mark chapter 1. Mark 1. Starting at verse 35. So Jesus had just healed a lot of people. And so early in the morning, verse 35 says, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house where a bunch of people were and he went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon, Simon Peter and his companions searched for him and they found him and said to him, Jesus, man, like what are you doing out here? Everyone's looking for you. You're needed back at church. And he said to them, let us go somewhere else, to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. Mm. We can make this about a lot of stuff, and it becomes about a lot of stuff. But boy, at the top of that list must be the preaching of the gospel for the making of disciples, for the making of other disciples who can preach the gospel. Amen? Amen. Matthew 24, 14 will be on your screen. I would say screens, but we're still down to one. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus says, this this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. If you're ready for this place to be over, then we better get the gospel out. That's when the end will come. It's a priority. It's a huge, huge priority for the church When we give to gospel preaching churches, we give to the most important activity on the face of the earth, which is why it's such a privilege to do this, which why it blows my mind that God would even allow me to do this. It's the most important activity on the earth, preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, sharing God's truth with others. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, pictures. I want to just toggle through these pictures. So this, you guys know about our church plant in Heath, Texas, right? And we're not even having our grand opening until September. This was our last gathering as God just continues to grow. I, I, I talk about it, but I don't ever show pictures. And I want you to realize that it's really happening. There are really people there. And look at these kids that are showing up, these families that are showing up. Did you show all three already? I'm not paying attention. This is our little huddle before we start service. And that's at the school that we meet at. It's important. And Pastor Chris is just a Bible-thumping preacher, just like I am, just like Pastor Dave is, just like Pastor Doug is. We just want the gospel to be preached and for disciples to be made. And so that's why God God, God orchestrated all this, so that we can spread the gospel in a different part of town called Heath, Texas. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as well. 1 Corinthians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then first and 2 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 1. I love this. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He, as he's winding down his first letter to them, he says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, in which also you stand by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, which is why we continue to preach God's word, so you will stand and hold fast continually. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, and that's this, that Christ died for our sins. He starts to give the gospel according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, Paul writes, he appeared to me. I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am he saved me and his grace toward me did not prove vain but I labored even more labored even more than all of them yet not I but the grace of God with me verse 11 whether then it was I or they whether it was I or you church so we preach and so you believed what a responsibility what a priority that we have as a church. And that's what Paul wants the church at Philippi to understand. Let's peek, this is kind of one of those tongue twisters, let's peek at the Philippians' partnership with Paul's preaching. Let's peek at the Philippians' partnership with Paul's preaching. Check this out, go back to Philippians chapter 4. So, the first thing that I would want to point out is that they were bold. Verse 15. We're still in verses 15, 16, and 17. Four things. I'll tell you them, and and then I'll repeat them. They were bold. They were balanced. They were bound, and they were blessed. They were bold. They were balanced. They were bound, and they were blessed. Let's look at the bold. It says in verse 15 that no church shared with me in giving except for you guys. Nobody else gave to me, But you, church, you did he says to them. They were bold. I wonder if they say, wow, nobody else has given to this guy. Should we? Right? We like to follow the crowd sometimes, right? Like, we're the only ones given to this preacher guy? They were bold. Giving is an act of boldness. It's an act of boldness. It's trusting God with our resources. It says they were balanced. Also in verse 15, it says... No church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. They were balanced. In other words, what Paul's saying is, hey, some churches received from me. I preached to them. I blessed them. I I helped them understand who Christ was. I helped them with the gospel message. They received really, really well. That's not me, is it? That's my ring. I've done this before. Not my phone. I'm so excited. Whose phone was it? It's not mine, right? Oh, okay. Okay. That happened a couple of weeks ago in church, and I'm like, oh my goodness, my phone's in my back pocket. Because that's my ring. So excited, it's not me. It's not me, right? Okay, I don't feel my phone. <laughs> right? So they were balanced. Right? They were balanced. So they were bold, but they were balanced. They received and gave. Look, here's what happens in the church, church. Some of us we give. Fantastic. But you know what we don't do? We don't receive. We write checks, but when preacher boy or pastor Dave, or wherever you get fed, you don't receive, you don't learn, you don't practice the things that are that are shared with you. We must do both. And then some of us receive, but we don't give. Paul said they did both. They received the word that God intended for them. They lived out the truth. They let the truth penetrate their lives. They received, but they also gave. And so we must give, we must be bold in our giving, but we must also be balanced in our giving. We can't just write checks and that exonerates us from, from living out and being in the Word of God. We must receive the Word and give so the Word can be given. They were bound. That's the third thing. They were bound. Look at verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, so he let, leaves Philippi and then he heads off to Thessalonica and he's got a church there, the Thessalonians, right? Even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once or continually. They didn't just give. They gave and they gave and they gave and they gave. They were bound to Paul. They were bound to the things of Christ. They were bound to the gospel message. So they were bold, they were balanced, and they were bound. And so I ask you, is our giving, when we give to the Lord, is is it more of an act I've given and that act is over? Or is it more of a lifestyle? Is your giving more of an act, or is it more of a lifestyle? Do you get the difference? Sometimes what we give and we say, "I just gave to the Lord's work." Great. Now do that again and again and again and again and again, and that's what the church at Philippi did. He says, "You gave to my needs more than once or continually." I hope when we give, it, it's not just an act, but it's a lifestyle. And the fourth thing is, they were blessed. They were blessed. So they were bold, they were balanced, they were bound to doing this, and they were blessed because of it. He says in verse 17, (laughs) Paul writes, Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. I want you to be blessed, Paul says. I don't need the gift. We learned that already last week. Paul says, I'm content with whatever. But he wants them to be blessed. Proverbs 22, nine says, he who is generous will be blessed. Acts 20, verse 35. I'm going to look at the last half, kind of right in the middle of this verse. It says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, the Philippian church understood this concept of Profit increasing to their account or fruit or blessing increasing to their account. And because they understood it, no wonder they gave more than once. They got it. I love it. And so they gave repeatedly. What about you? Do you see, do you see what you give as something you give? Or do you see what you give as something you gain? That's what Paul's wanting them to recognize. What you give, church at Philippi, is not what you give. What you give is something you gain. I hope when you give, you recognize it as something that you gain, not something that you give. Wow, I could have really used that money. I'm not sure how they're spending it, whoever they are, right? Right? Do you understand that's completely beside the point? That's what Paul's saying. He's like, I don't need the gift. I don't need the gift for the gift's sake. I want you to be blessed. I want you to gain by your giving. Paul declares that they would receive rich spiritual dividends. Does anybody play the stock market? Anybody buy stock? Anybody have any kind of a mutual fund? We like dividends. We like those. Well, it takes an investment. Paul's saying that they would receive, by investing in kingdom-minded stuff, that they would receive spiritual dividends. That's what he says. I wonder, I wonder what sort of spiritual dividends you and I are currently receiving based on our past investments. What spiritual dividends are you and I receiving right now based on some of our past investments Let's reread verse 17. Paul says, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account, for the blessing upon your life, for the fruit in your endeavors. Amazingly, the world seeks the gift for the sake of the gift. Right? Paul saying, not that I seek the gift, for the gift itself. See, the world seeks the gift for the sake of the gift. But Paul seeks the gift for the sake of two things. For the sake of the preaching of the Savior and the profit of the saints. The world seeks the gift for the sake of the gift. Paul seeks the gift. He's saying, give the gift. Right? For the preaching of the Savior and for the profit of the saints. Wow, what a great investment. Give, he says to the church at Philippi. I commend you for giving so that the Savior is preached and there's profit for the saints, blessing, fruit. And so I wonder, how well have we partnered in the preaching of the gospel? How well have we partnered in the preaching of the gospel here our church plant in Heath, or what other churches you perhaps have been to prior to here? How well have we partnered in the preaching of the gospel? Or conversely, who or what have we partnered with in our finances? Who are you partnering with in your finances? Are you partnering with the proclamation of the gospel or something different? So that's our first stanza on giving. Our second stanza is this idea of glory, verses 18, 19, and 20. Let's read those verses. Verses 18, 19, and 20. But I've received everything in full, Paul writes. Heck, I have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. What did you send? A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And consequently, my God will supply all of your needs according. See the context there? Because you have done, therefore God will do. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ. Now to our God and Father, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. When we give, it's about God's glory. When he gives to us, it's about his glory. Verse 18 reveals the heart behind the giving. Check this out. Look at what Paul, let's look at what Paul received. I don't know if you noticed it. We've read it three times now. This will be the fourth time. Check this out. But I have received, this is what Paul is receiving, everything in full, that's the first thing, and abundance, That's the second thing. I am amply supplied. That's the third thing. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? Money. Finances. That's it. He just says it three different ways. Those are the things that Paul received. Everything in full. I have too much. I have an abundance. I'm amply supplied. Now let's look at what they sent. If he received money, shouldn't they have sent money? He's saying, I received finances, but it doesn't say that's what they gave him. He says, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. What did they send? Three things. They sent a fragrant aroma. They sent an acceptable sacrifice. They sent something that was well-pleasing to God. See how that transitions? Is that amazing? Paul gets money. They sent those things. A fragrant aroma, An acceptable sacrifice to a holy God. Something that pleased the Almighty. What a great transition. Ephesians 5 tells us that Jesus' offering of himself on the cross was a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. When we give to the Lord's work, it's the same thing as what Christ did on the cross. It's a fragrant aroma to God. When Christ died on the cross, it was a fragrant aroma. Our sacrifice of finances is a fragrant aroma. Our giving is equated to what Christ did on the cross. It's a fragrant aroma. Really? Yes, that's what Paul's saying. It's just money to Paul, but to those who sent it. It's a sacrifice, and it's an aroma, and it pleases the Lord. I have said, and this is so weird because I don't, uh, my role and all that, and I get it. I hate talking about money, but it just is what it is, right? And I say, man, my responsibility is to give to the church if they completely spend it improperly. That's not my responsibility. I want to send a fragrant aroma. I'm going to do my job. And I have to hope and pray and trust that the church does their job. But I'm going to send a sacrifice and an aroma because it pleases the Lord. And then that's equated with what Christ did on the cross. That's what Paul wants us to understand about our finances in giving to his work. So that we can plant churches. and So that people can get saved. And people can hear the gospel message and understand it. That's why we make such a big deal about scripture, because it's an aroma to the Lord, man. Gosh, what a joy. See, here's the bottom line. Paul got something physical. Paul got something physical. They got something spiritual. Paul got something worldly. They got something heavenly. Paul's not the one who made out. He's like, I don't need the gift. The church is the ones that made out. When I give, I'm the one who's getting not the person who got the get. They get something worldly. I get something heavenly. I love it. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, there's a question. The very first question says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is this. The man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Oh, Church. I hope and I pray that we see what we give as a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, because it glorifies God when we give. Just as Christ, his sacrifice was a fragrant aroma, fragrant aroma also glorified the Lord. And then when we do that, then God responds accordingly. That's what verse 19 says. Verse 19, and then, or and my God, right? So when we give, when we send this fragrant aroma, this acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. That's when he does it. We love to quote that verse. Oh, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. It's in the context of us giving and trusting him with our finances and doing so to proclaim the gospel message. That's when he meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So as we partner, that's what this context tells us. As we partner in the preaching of the gospel, we glorify God in our giving, verse 18 tells us. Then verse 19 tells us that he gives us according to his riches and glory, right? This is our glory section. This is our glory stanza. There's glory in verses 18, glory in 19, and glory in 20. As we partner, verses 15 through 17, then we glorify God in our giving. It's a sweet aroma to him in verse 17, our verse 18. And then he gives us according to his riches in glory, that's verse 19. And then he is glorified forever and ever, that's verse 20. All of this is for the glory of God, it has nothing to do with us. It's all about his glory. Note that verse 20 says, now to God, to our God and Father, be the glory. It doesn't just say be glory, be glory to God, be glory to you, be glory to me. It says to God, be the glory. Nobody else, right? All of this is about giving glory to the Lord. And what's interesting about that is finances are one of those slippery things that cause us to want to steal the glory. We get proud of our finances and what we're really doing is we're stealing glory from God. And the finances, when we sacrifice those to the Lord and we put him first in everything, it allows him to get all the glory. And our last stanza is grace. This idea of grace. Let's read the last three verses, 21, 22, and 23. So we've done the giving in the first three verses. We've just done the glory in the next three verses. And now the last three verses, this idea of grace. Verse 21 says, greet every saint in Christ. The brethren who are with me, greet you, church. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. If you remember, go back to chapter one of Philippians. Chapter one, verse two, look how Paul begins this letter. Paul had a lot to say in these four chapters of Philippians. Look at chapter one, verse two of Philippians. He starts and ends the same way. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you go back to chapter 4, he ends the same way. The grace of the Lord be with your spirit. Paul begins and ends. All that he had to say in between, he begins and ends with grace. Paul had lots to say to the Philippian church. We've studied a lot over the last few months in this letter called Philippians. And he both starts... And finishes with grace. The church has been tasked, has been given a lot to do. And scripture has much to say to us individually and to us collectively. But may we, like Paul, begin and end with grace. There's lots for us to do, lots for us to learn, lots that we've been tasked to do. But in the midst of all that, may we begin and end with grace. Always. May we, like Paul, be people of grace. And may this church be a place of grace. In closing, I, I love the takeaways that we're given in chapter 4. We hit some of them last week, and now we have some more this week. The takeaways from chapter 4 that Paul leaves us with as he's signing off. From last week, actually it would have been two weeks ago, in verses 6 and 7. Go to 6 and 7 of chapter 4. In verses 6 and 7, here are the takeaways, right? From chapter 4. In verses 6 and 7, we are promised that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds when we properly pray. Remember that? The peace of God will guard our hearts and minds when we properly pray. Look at 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, pray. And the peace of God, verse 7, will guard your hearts and your minds. When we properly pray, the peace of God will guard our lives. That's one of our first takeaways. Church, we must be a church that prays in God's peace. The peace of God will guard you. It'll guard your hearts and your minds. In verses 8 and 9, the other takeaway is this. In verses 8 and 9, we're promised that the God of peace. So we just saw the peace of God, but at 8 and 9, we're going to see the God of peace, right? Look at what 8 and 9 says. 8 says, whatever is true, honorable, right, lovely, pure, whatever. And if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And then he continues, right? So we have to think right thoughts. Dwell on the things of God, verse 8 says. Dwell on these things. Verse 9 says, practice these things, right? And it's the things that Paul exhibited in his behavior, And so when we dwell on the things of God and we practice the behavior of God, then the God of peace will be with you. So the first takeaway from 6 and 7 is that the peace of God, when we properly pray, will guard us. And then the God of peace, when we properly dwell or we properly process and think about things of God, and when we properly practice the things of God then the God of peace will guide us or the God of peace will be with us. So we have a peace of God that guides us and a God of peace, or a peace of God that guards us and a God of peace that guides us. That's verses eight and nine. And then now in verses 15 through 20, we have this, the third thing. We're promised a profit, profitability, a profit which increases to our account. And we are promised that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches. So the peace of God guards us, the God of peace guides us, and then we're told that we will have profitability, a profit which will increase to our account, and that God will supply all of our needs when we partner with the priority of the gospel. That's the takeaways. Let me review that. The three takeaways from chapter 4. When we properly pray, verses 6 and 7, the peace of God guards us. It protects us. So many of us and so many people out there don't have peace. And the peace of God wants to guard and protect our hearts and our minds. So when we pray properly, the peace of God guards us. And then eight, verses 8 and 9 tell us that when we, when we properly process and think and dwell on the things of God, verse 8, and then when we practice the things of God, verse 9, then the God of peace will be with us and guide us. And then Paul tells us as he wraps up chapter 4 that as we partner in the gospel, then God puts it to our account and he supplies all of our needs as we partner with the priority of the gospel message. I'm going to close with this verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this, Paul writes, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I hope, I hope, I hope we're not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to every person in this room. That's what it means when he says to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, which means everybody in the world. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Californians, to the Texans, and to every other person that you can possibly think of. It's the power of God that has set you free and that will set others free as we partner in the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel. Yes? I'm gonna invite up uh, Chris to close this in song. I'm gonna pray for us as he's working his way up there. And if you need prayer, our prayer team's available down here in the corner. If you need prayer for anything, church, pray. Pray, let people pray with you. Let people pray for you. Let's close our time by going to the Lord. Almighty God, we we thank you for this letter that Paul uh, wrote, empowered by your Holy Spirit to the church at Philippi. We thank you, Lord, that they uh, boldly partnered with Paul in their giving. Lord, may we do the same. May we trust you with our finances. May we realize, Lord, that when we give, it's a fragrant aroma that pleases you in the same way that Christ on the cross was a fragrant aroma as well. What a privilege, what an honor. Lord, help us to learn how to partner with you more appropriately, more boldly, more consistently. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.